Thanks for joining us. To keep up with the latest news and podcasts, visit www.propelchurchaz.com. Now get ready for a great message from Pastor Jathan. And I know before we jump into this, I know it's a little warm in here. Um, and I just want to just encourage you. I've been in settings, gatherings where um, AC units have been out and your mind can be distracted. It can wander. It can go different places. Like, I can't wait till this is over. I can't wait till I get home. I can't wait till I can jump in the pool or take a shower because it's so hot. And I've been also in other services or other settings where God is moving and the AC was out and it was extremely hot and people are just standing there sweating and yet God showed up in powerful ways. And so I want to encourage you over these next few moments, we're not going to keep you here forever, but over these next few moments, don't allow the enemy or don't allow your thoughts to get deterred from what God wants to do and what he wants to share with us this morning and speak to our hearts and lives. Um, and the enemy would love nothing more than for us to get distracted and to be, to be wondering and thinking about something else just because it's a little warm in here. And I can guarantee you there are churches around the world today and other nations who don't have AC. And they will walk for miles in the heat, carrying their children, carrying other things with them to go hear about the gospel message, to be encouraged. So let's not allow just a little bit of lack of AC in here uh, to affect our hearts and what God wants to do. Amen? Amen. So we're going to continue with this series. Next week, we're going to wrap up the Fruit of the Spirit series. But we've been looking at, in order to become more like Christ, we have to take on his character, including the Fruit of the Spirit. And Holy Spirit works in us to bring about his fruit to life within us. In other words, the fruit of the Spirit is our spiritual resume, which is our visible outward behavior towards God, others, and ourselves. And again, the fruit of the Spirit is not a checklist. We can't just go down the list and say, okay, I got that, or I, need, I can grow it myself, or I can do this or that to grow in this specific fruit. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that will grow these fruit in our lives Amen. when we're surrendered to him. That's the key. And so once we begin to see these fruit take shape in our lives or once these fruit grow and begin to mature within our lives, it becomes the visible and physical evidence of our outward behavior in how we act and respond towards God, towards others, and toward ourselves. Meaning it's the manifest it's the manifestation of what God is doing on the inside of our hearts and lives. That is then becomes visible on the outward within our lives. We take on Christ's character through these fruit. And we become more like Jesus when we grow in these fruit. And so here's the list again in Galatians 5, 22 through 26. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he, Paul says there, against such things, there is no, no law, meaning this, that there is no law put in place that is going to stop or prohibit someone from acting or living according to these nine fruit. And so those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other, he says. And so today, the first of the two fruit that we're going to look at is goodness, now, goodness refers to the morally and active good in our character and behavior. Goodness is that which talks about our moral behavior or the active good that we have in our lives, that we show in our lives in our character and behavior. Really, goodness comes from a place of having high morals and character. It's having integrity. 
and moral excellence within our lives. Wanting to do good towards others in every way possible. That would be goodness. Now, goodness is an active trait. It's a fruit that's put into motion. We should show goodness within our lives. We show goodness by our words and by our actions. It's not a laid back fruit. But goodness can be seen in someone operating with this fruit in their lives. And so our behavior should exude goodness in all that we try to accomplish. We do things for the right reasons. Jesus was good in all that he did. He's our model for goodness. And he did it all for the glory to the Father. He did it in honor of his heavenly Father. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 15, verse 14. He says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Now, Paul was writing here to the church in Rome, and they were an audience who was educated. And in this chapter, he was telling them that we all should, be, we all should please our neighbors by doing good in order to build them up, in order to encourage them in order to, to speak life to them. And we should have that, main, that same mindset as Christ did, Amen. which is really to deny self. Christ denied himself to be able to go to the cross. But even beyond that, even before he went to the cross, all throughout his ministry, he denied himself by, honor, by honoring the Father to do the Father's will. He denied himself his flesh to be able to meet others' needs to do good for others. And we see that throughout his entire ministry in the Gospels. And I want you to see that Paul is referencing here in verse 14 that we are called to be full of goodness. You're called to be full of goodness in your life through your relationship with Christ. God wants us to be full of his goodness that we would do good for others that we would deny ourselves in order to please our neighbor. That's right. That we would accept one another the way that God accepts us. Right. That we would put our knowledge to work and do good by instructing or teaching one another or helping one another in the ways of God. Amen. Because we're here for one another. We're supposed to do good towards each other. Right. Understand that goodness is wanting the best for others in love. When we talk about goodness, it means that we are wanting the, the best for someone else. And the motive or the action behind it, the reason we do, the, do, the, do those things or operate in goodness is because of love for that person. And when we're living in goodness, what we're saying is that we want the best for you. That we love you the way that God loves you. And we're going to go out of our way to show you goodness in our life. The way we desire for our neighbors so that they can experience God's goodness through us. That we set aside our needs or wants in order to see someone else get the best yeah. in their lives. To show God's goodness to them. Amen. Why? Because God has shown his goodness towards us. Right. And so for this to happen, it takes love. Goodness comes from a place of love. First of all, it comes from loving and pleasing God first. We can't love others. We can't love strangers. We can't love our enemies if we don't love God first. That's right. And then second, we can love people and others. 
If we don't love God and love others, it's hard to operate in goodness because we become self-focused and self-consumed with us. That's why I love projects like Feed My Starving Children because it gets the focus off of our situations, our problems, the things that we're walking through to help meet a need where other people are having problems that we can physically, practically meet a need. It's doing good for someone else. And because we, can be, we become self-focused when we're not loving God and loving, loving others, it's so important to understand that that's why goodness is unselfish. Goodness is unselfish. People that operate in goodness aren't consumed with their needs getting met. They understand God will take care of them and will provide for their needs. But instead, they're focused on doing good for others. How can I meet this particular need in that person? And in their situation, how can I show goodness to them? And goodness is not supposed to be kept to oneself, but it's supposed to spread throughout the community in which we live. Goodness has to be a part of our thought process, which comes out of our love for God. We must ask the Holy Spirit to show us ways to do good things. God, what can I do today that would represent your love and goodness to lives. Holy Spirit, give me ideas, give me opportunities, give me relevant ways where I can show good to someone else. That I can put their needs first. And this has to come from the inside out so that our character and behavior are reflecting the character of Jesus that's on the inside of our lives. Paul also says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Verses 16 and 17, he says, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Paul was encouraging us in that God encourages and strengthens our lives to show goodness in our deeds and words. In other words, God encourages so that we can show goodness in our actions and words that we speak to others. God strengthens us so that we can reflect his goodness. That the goodness he's shown us would not stay with us, but we in turn would turn around and show his goodness to the world around us. You see, church, we're called to live in the goodness of God by sharing it with people, by sharing it with the world. And may our character and behavior reflect goodness in all that we do. We need to think about that. God, do I reflect goodness in all that I do? Or am I being stingy? Am I being selfish? Am I more concerned about me and my needs or my wants rather than showing good to other people? May everything that we do be done for the glory and honor of God within our lives. We have to show goodness. We have to live. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to grow that fruit within our lives. The second fruit that we're going to look at today is this. We must live lives of faithfulness. We must live lives of faithfulness. Now, that word faithfulness means constant loyalty to a person or a cause. It's a a dedicated, devoted allegiance that motivates someone to support continually. They continually show support through their faithfulness. And this is not only what we should desire Holy Spirit to grow in us, but it's really a picture of God's faithfulness 
towards us in our lives. God's faithfulness is unending within our lives. Whether you realize it or not, God is faithful in your life. He is continually loyal to us, even when we're wrong, even when we're not living according to the way that we should be living. God is still faithful in our lives, and we don't always get, or we don't always get what we deserve within our lives. Why? Because God's faithful and patient and kind and compassionate and merciful within our lives. He has our best interest in mind, if you didn't know that. He is devoted and dedicated to you through showing his unconditional love, his unfailing provision in your life, and constant direction in our lives. I would dare say that there's so many times that we don't even realize how God is at work in and through his faithfulness in meeting our needs that we don't even realize or give him the credit that he's shown up faithful in our lives. But he's behind it. There is no one who is as faithful to us as our God is. There's no one. There's no person that can be as faithful to you as he is. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, scripture says. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And he wants us to grow in our faithfulness to him and to others when it comes to our lives. See what it says in Proverbs 3, 3. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. I want you to see from this scripture and actually from the scripture that Pastor Josh already talked about and read from Psalm 119 that faithfulness is a choice. We have to choose to be faithful in our lives. Yes, the Holy Spirit has to grow that fruit, but we have to surrender and make the choice to allow him to grow that fruit within us. But faithfulness is a choice. It doesn't just happen on its own. We have to choose to be faithful in our lives. In other words, again, we have to surrender to Holy Spirit's faithfulness in our lives so that he can grow us in this area of faithfulness in our lives personally, within us. We must pursue being believers that are faithful to God. God is looking for believers that are faithful to him, that are faithful to others, and that are faithful to the cause for the kingdom of Christ. Wisdom would say, don't let faithfulness leave you in this scripture. Meaning you have to cling to it but it says bind it or secure it around your neck. Keep it close to you or write faithfulness on the tablet of your heart. If you can just picture an iPad or some tablet that you just keep around your neck right here and on it, it says faithfulness. God wants you to keep faithfulness so close to your life. He wants you to choose faithfulness in every area of your life. Why? Because where your heart is, that's where your focus is. Where your attention lies where your heart is set on, that's where your focus is. And so love and faithfulness has to be at the center of our relationship with God. God, I'm gonna choose to faithfully serve you. I'm gonna faithfully serve in the areas that you've called me to. Serve people, serve your cause, God. That's why it's so important that we can't forget to write it down on the tablet of our heart. Paul said to this, said this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He said, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul was saying this, that we must be faithful in our callings. He was telling Timmy, Timothy, not Timmy, I guess, we got, I guess you could call him Timmy, <laughs> but he was telling Timothy that you need to be faithful in your calling. Make sure you pass on to reliable people who can teach others. Make sure you invest in their lives. Make sure you set them up for what I've called them to, what I, I want you to be involved in their lives. You see, whatever God has called us to will require a faithfulness on our part to complete it. That's right. That's right. That's good. We need faithfulness in our lives. And Paul was encouraging Timothy here to find reliable or faithful people who could teach others. He was making sure that Timothy was going to be faithful in his leadership with the church. And whatever God calls us to in life, whatever he calls you to personally, we must find ourselves faithful. This includes us being faithful to God and others. It includes us being faithful to our family, faithful to our spouse, faithful to our kids, faithful to our friends, faithful to our church, faithful in whatever area of ministry that we serve in, faithful at our workplace, faithful in whatever we put our hands to. God wants us to be faithful in everything. And he's promised us in his word to grow the fruit of faithfulness in us through his spirit. But he calls us to be faithful as believers. And he's proven himself over and over and over in our lives as being faithful. Proverbs 12, 22 says, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. It's a short verse but there's so much here that I want us to grab out of it. This verse is really saying that the Lord is pleased when we follow through in what we say. That we're trustworthy. God doesn't like it when we say that we're gonna commit to someone or we're gonna commit to something and then we don't follow through. What this verse is really saying then, and this is what God is communicating to us, is that we are lying when we don't follow through with our commitments. Whoa, that hits all of us in some way, some form, right? And I understand that we have sometimes valid excuses or reasons why we have to get out of a certain commitment. God understands that. But I'm talking about living a lifestyle of unfaithfulness, a pattern of unfaithfulness in our lives. But instead here, the Lord delights or is pleased with us because we're trustworthy to follow through on what he's called us to along with the things that we've committed to within our life. So here's some questions that we need to take a good look at in our lives and to really ask ourselves in order that we are trustworthy before the Lord and others and not lying with our lack of follow-through. These are some questions I think will help us. The first is this. Are we being true with others? Am I being upfront or truthful with people? Do we follow through in what we say to others? Do we make up things in talking with others? Or do we make up excuses in trying to get out of things? Do we exaggerate things that really aren't truthful to make us look better or cause the story to sound better than what it really is? We must be faithful and truthful in all that we do and say. That's God's expectation of us. 
The second question is this. Are we trustworthy in our lives and commitments? Can we be trusted to follow through in what we've committed to do when it comes to others? Do we show to work on time? Do we show up on time for other commitments? Do we show up when we're scheduled to serve in an area of ministry within the church? Do we show up at all? Do we show up late or do we show up at all? If we sign up to do something, does the person in charge see our name on the list and go, well, they're not going to be here. I can't trust them to be here because they have a pattern of not showing up. I, I can't trust them. If so, that's a problem within our lives. And we need to be faithful. We need to surrender to the Holy Spirit in the area of faithfulness to allow him to help us be faithful. The third question is this. Are we reliable for God and others to depend on us? Can God depend on us? Are we reliable to do the things that he's called us to do? Can we follow through on the things that we told him that we would do? Here's the deal. God's not going to give us more responsibility that we're looking for if we can't follow through with what he's already given us. His word says those who can, who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. Can others depend on me? Are we faithful in what we've told others that we'll do to help them or to be there at a certain time for them? Are we reliable at our job or can our, can our boss depend on us or does he or she think, well, I'm not sure that even though they signed up to do that, that they're gonna get that done. What are you saying to them, not only about you, but if they know that you're a believer, what are you saying to them about God? Are you reliable? Are you trustworthy? If we're truly faithful, then we will be reliable and dependable in our lives. In closing, Paul told Titus to encourage the church in being trustworthy and faithful. And then he talks, to, he talks about the, the, the very Christian slaves that were there in his culture. And he says this in Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. He says, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them and not to talk back to them, not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Interesting. He was telling Titus that our faithfulness to God and others draws people to Christ. That's right. That's right. When we are faithful, when we are reliable, when we are trustworthy, we're letting others know that, man, this person really believes in their convictions. And they will follow through with what they say. Maybe there is something to this gospel message. Maybe there is something to God's love and through a relationship with Jesus. And in the context of the book of Titus here, Titus was ministering in Crete, which was a difficult place to grow a church. Paul is telling him here to teach the believers that were slaves to be faithful in their testimony, to try to please their masters and not to talk back, not to steal, not to take advantage of them, but to live lives that show that they are faithful and trustworthy, even as a slave. What a fine line that must have been to walk to be a slave that was a believer. In one hand, you may be mistreated or something being done towards you or against you that's not right, that's unjust, that's unfair. And yet you still had to live the life of being a Christian that's faithful and trustworthy. But the purpose was so that their testimony would be seen and that others would be drawn to Christ. That's why 
He said, you have to teach them to be faithful. In that culture, the socioeconomic institution of slavery was widespread, whether in the Greek or the Roman society. And slavery was protected by civil law, and there were many slaves from the Roman conquests. I want you to understand that even though slavery is talked about in the New Testament, God did not sanction slavery as being okay. He's not good with that and the way people are treated when it comes to slavery. And the gospel says something totally different, that every person has the opportunity to be free through the power of, or through sin and the power of Christ that he came to give us in our life. That's God's heart, that we would be free, Amen. that we would not be slaves to men or women. And you also have to understand that slavery in that culture was different from the slavery in our American history. The slavery was different from when Paul was writing here, it wasn't about one particular race. There were many different peoples that were slaves. There were many different cultures that were slaves. In fact, some of the slaves were well-educated and skilled that they were able to make a difference in society, but in spite of this, they were slaves that were still considered material possessions of their masters who decided their destiny. And so Paul was saying to Titus here that if there are slaves that are believers who have come to know Christ, make sure that you teach them to represent Christ well in their actions and testimony. That they won't forget the lifestyle they've committed to in serving Jesus. Because with their actions, they're going to make the gospel appealing to their masters, appealing to those around them, so that others are drawn to Christ because of their lives, the very living testimony of them being faithful and trustworthy. Thankfully, we are not slaves to earthly masters. But we are slaves to God, as scripture says, because we've been bought with a price. Through our submission to the Lord, we can submit to those in authority over us. And in our behavior to those over us or those we encounter around us, we can testify to the fact that we are faithful to God when we are trustworthy and faithful to others. And in turn, what we say with our lives is that we are making the gospel message of God's love and his saving power attractive to the lost and hurting world around us when we are reliable, trustworthy, and faithful. I want you to please understand that I am in no way comparing our submission to authorities. The same as that dark and unjust institution of slavery. Slavery in the physical sense is, the, is wrong, and it's not of God. But what I am saying is this, that we are called as believers to be a spiritual slave to God and to be faithful to him and to be faithful to others. Why? So that people who don't know Jesus will surrender their hearts and lives to him. That's right. That's right. The others will come into the kingdom of God because of seeing the faithfulness of God in our lives lived out because of our testimony and what God has called us to. So I want to encourage us today. Make sure that we are living lives of goodness and faithfulness, that we choose to live that way. And again, it has to come from the inside out. It has to come from our love for God. It has to come to our surrender to the Holy Spirit so that he can accomplish what he wants to do in our hearts and lives. But God is faithful to grow these fruit within us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning?
And maybe you're here. And you're sitting here listening to all this and maybe you realize that you don't have that relationship with Jesus. But yet I wanna give you an opportunity to know him, to accept him in your heart and your life, to make Jesus your personal savior and Lord. Christ has come to do so much within our lives. And the power of his blood that was shed for us, the power of the cross and what he did for us. No one else could have done that for us. But God himself came down and gave his life for us. There's no greater love. That's why we even sang about today, what a beautiful name there is. The name of Jesus. There is no greater name than the name of Jesus because of what he did for us. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, but you're ready and willing to commit your heart and life to him, to choose to live for him the rest of your life, but knowingly and to have the hope and the peace and the joy that one day you're gonna see him face to face in heaven for all of eternity. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand because I wanna pray with you this morning to know Jesus in a personal relationship. Anyone at all? You say, that's me, Pastor. I want to be forgiven of my sin and I want to know Christ. All right, then, my challenge for the rest of us is this. Maybe you're here and you struggle with goodness or faithfulness or both in your life. But even this morning, right now in this moment, the Holy Spirit is prompting you and you sense his voice. You, you hear him tugging on your heart like that's you. I want to grow this fruit in you so that you would show the goodness of God to others, that you would be faithful in all that God has called you to. First and foremost, in your relationship with the Lord, you'd be faithful to him, but you'd be faithful to your other relationships and to your other commitments and to those around us. If that's you, if you are struggling with either one of those two things, would you slip up your hand because I want to pray with you in your life? Yes, 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 yes. Thank you for responding to the Lord. You're not responding to me. You're responding to the Lord in this moment. Anyone else? Yes. All right, then, I want to pray. And if you raise your hand, as I pray, if you would just in your heart, in your own words, in your mind, if you would just... Surrender to the Lord and allow him, ask him to grow these fruit in your life. He's gonna do it, starting in this moment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love that is so unconditional towards us. We thank you for your goodness that you've shown us through your son, Jesus. We thank you for your faithfulness in our lives, not only through your son, Jesus, but on a daily basis. God, you are faithful in our lives. And we give you thanks, we give you glory, we give you praise for who you are and what you've done. Lord, I pray for every hand that's raised, every heart that is represented in this moment where they want to grow in goodness and faithfulness. Maybe they've struggled in these two areas. I pray and ask, Holy Spirit, that even in this moment, as we surrender to you, God, may you begin to grow this fruit to full maturity. May we continue to grow in all the fruits, but Lord, we pray that you would help us to show goodness to others, that we would look for ways, opportunities for you to lead us in being good and showing goodness. Lord, I pray for the faithfulness. God, sometimes it's hard to be faithful 
first and foremost to you, it can be hard to be faithful in our relationship with you, but maybe it's in the area of our other relationships. God, I pray that you would help us, Holy Spirit. Strengthen us, encourage us, show us how to be faithful to those people, those relationships. God, even all the commitments that we may have. I pray that we wouldn't make excuses to get out of things, but God, I pray that our yes would be yes and our no would be no. God, that we're gonna be faithful in all that we say and all that we do because we represent you ultimately. So Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just minister to us in this moment. Show us, give us your wisdom and discernment where, where we need to make the proper changes. Or maybe it's even our thinking that needs to change. But we know through your power, Holy Spirit, you're gonna help us to make those changes so that we can bring glory and honor to you and that we would grow in our character to become more like Christ. And so God, we thank you now for your faithfulness in our lives in these areas. And we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and meant it, the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Not tomorrow, right now, he's here. And I encourage you to continue to nurture that, continue to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to grow each and every day in this area of the fruit of the Spirit. And you know what? He will. That's his heart. He wants that for us more than sometimes we want that for ourselves. But God is faithful. 